It's not right. It's not right. It's you not know, right. He's, resur- he's resurrected, and well, he's the not guy Jesus. got up in the last he's not, inning. He's not resurrected. He didn't die. <laughs> he got. He's the last guy to get out in the last inning, and he's resurrected on second base. He got out, oh, and he's God. back alive on the base path. What so do you call what, that? You call what it, hap- we'll call what it the Jesus somebody, runner. We'll call it the Jesus someone runner. Pinch runs? They, is, someone, is someone dying on the cross for somebody else? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're getting sacrificed, yeah. literally. They're literally getting sacrificed. Just just like it's just such a weird thing to die on the hill for. Just accept it. Who cares? Because it's not right. Because <laughs> we already have the so definition angry. of ghost runner. It's the, it's, we already have a definition of it, and it's wrong, and it's just wrong. Call it the Manfred Man. Just don't call it fucking ghost runner when it's not a ghost. Man. You done? You done? Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and review on those podcast apps on YouTube. Subscribe to the notification bell so you know when the new episodes are here for you to listen to. Because guess what? You need to know. All right? If you like the show, you got to know when the episodes are out so you can listen to them and then tell us all how great we are or so how ridiculous we are or how stupid certain rules might be and not just about the rules but the the naming of the rules the naming of certain rules might really piss people off you know that's true that's true but we're going to talk about that in a minute first and foremost though my guest today the designated hitter is here to talk about baseball because baseball is back baby and we're here to talk about the mets and the yankees as we do alec argento in the house what's up what's up freaking you know i don't know dude what's up <laughs> i i've been saying so is the response every time for like four years now and yeah. you gotta accept it and have something prepared when you ask that question that one just got me flabbergasted i'm, I'm <laughs> feeling a little ghastly because of the ghost runners right now andrew kalanya what is up my brother stick it in my craw man stick it in my craw <laughs> I don't know man i'm i'm good i'm ready to ready to talk about the big new york ranger news um you know, that everyone's really talking about on the internet. Uh, Chris Kreider passed Mark Messier for seventh on all time on goal scored. How about that? Shout out. Shout Ooh, out to yeah. Chris Kreider. Who knew? Wait, seventh all time in Rangers seventh, history? Yeah, past Mark Messier. Now, Kreider was drafted what? What would you say? In about 20? Uh, uh, like, uh, he, de- he made his debut around uh, 2011. There you go. Good year. Good year. That, was, that was a good year. So in about 12 years, he's he's went up the ranks up to seven. Good for him. And now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Twitter is, is a great place most of the time, sometimes. And <laughs> specifically uh, in this past day or two with this Patrick Kane trade to the Rangers, you find out, you know, who the, the Ranger fans are. I guess, honestly, on your timeline, you know who the Rangers fans are. They're usually, you know, they're active. They're talking about it. How you doing? How you been? But now with a trade like this, Drew, and you are a real Rangers fan, a real hockey fan, are you seeing more people out of the woodworks? Like, oh, Patrick Kane, how you doing? Like, I don't really know if this guy's good anymore, but what's the story here? 
Yeah, look, that, that's 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 about right because he's a he's an actual name. Like non-hockey fans have actually heard of Patrick Kane before today. Most most hockey fans, uh, you know, he's he's the, again. I made the equivalent in the group chat to uh, he's like the Dirk Nowitzki of the NHL, like the greatest non you know non-American or well, he's the greatest American hockey player. Dirk Nowitzki is the greatest European basketball player in a game run by Americans. Gotcha. So uh, the equivalent the, of that the inverse, if you will. Yes. So a big star who has a, uh, you know, great chemistry with Panarin. Um, you know, he's a big time playoff guy. He's a, uh, you know, three-time world champion. Uh, so a lot of pedigree coming to the Rangers as they, uh, as they make a, make their playoff push. They say, and it's us and the Warriors super teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, is that a reference to the Knicks when Derek Rose? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice play. Nice play. Yeah. Alex. That's really good. Uh, well, that's enough of hockey talk right there. That's fair. <laughs> no, that is, that's enough. That's enough hockey talk. Uh, but no, it is exciting for the Rangers. I hope they do well. I, uh, maybe I'll dabble in some, some exciting times in the playoffs, but, uh, Good stuff for them. Let me go through the plan here real quick. I'm also realizing that if people are listening on the podcast right now and not on YouTube, they may be very confused about why we were so giddy and laughy in the beginning there. Uh, If you didn't see it, I don't know if I even put it in the podcast one yet. Drew's very angry about the naming of one specific rule. We're going to get into it later. Uh, We're also going to talk about the baseball rules in general. I'm sure you guys have heard about the conversations around this and the rules themselves. We'll give our takes. But first, we are going to start off talking about the New York Knicks. And also, uh, I forgot to mention this as well. We're talking about the Mets and the Yankees, obviously. When we got Drew and Alec in the, in the crib here to talk sports, we're talking Mets and Yankees as much as we possibly can. So we're going to start to preview some of that fun stuff. Positional battles, rotational battles, bullpen battles, etc. Have some fun with that as we do inch closer to baseball season. We will talk about uh, the Knicks as well. So let's start there. But before we dive in, you know I got to tell you about all that action over at DraftKings Sportsbook because especially this summer, there's just tons and tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports and you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, NBA, of course, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options are endless. I'm looking right now, thinking about the NBA, and I see the NBA MVP odds, and you guys know, at least I think you know, that I'm a Nikola Jokic fan. Maybe you would say Stan, but I think the odds are off right now. I think there's a possible way to cash in big. Giannis Antetokounmpo is plus 700 here. Nikola Jokic is minus 250. Why are you putting that money down there? Joel Embiid is plus 450. But Giannis, the team that hasn't lost in over 12 games, they're on a heater. It's because of him. He's a beast. They may end up as the one seed. And Giannis Antetokounmpo might also be the best defender in the league. How are you not going with him? Plus 700. Why not try it out? with the NBA futures on DraftKings Sportsbook. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Alec, I kind of got to start with you. We We had a podcast two, maybe three weeks ago now. 
three weeks. Does that sound about fair? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. And since that podcast, Alec, the Knicks are smoking hot. Seven and not, eight, baby. And I'm not just talking about Josh Hart and and himself being smoking hot. <laughs> Yow! <laughs> but the Knicks can't lose right now. The Knicks are playing really good, consistent, exciting basketball. And those couple weeks ago, Al, when we talked about the Knicks, you said something pretty specific about what should happen. In oh, fact, yeah. you might not feel that way at the moment right now. No, so why don't, you, why don't you round that up for us here? Three weeks ago to now, the Knicks are feeling really, really good. How are you feeling? About well, I was big wrong, and that that's that's a probably an SSD first for me to just throw that out there. I demanded wow. I, uh, for for a Tom Thibodeau firing, which I had never done in the three years that he's been here. But that's what it took. So I'll I'll give myself credit for that. You know, I'm a hand up kind of guy. I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it that I said it. Wait, 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 wait. I like how you admitting yourself, <laughs> admitting that you are wrong, you find a way to compliment yourself. It's very impressive, actually. Well, it's not, it's not, that's not wrong. You know, the fact that, they, that I affected some change, that that's something that happened. Objectively, that happened, right? I'm a superstitious guy and the good comes with the bad, right? If I take off my jersey in the third quarter and they give up a touchdown, that's on me. But if I'm the one who's ranting, Tom Thibodeau should be fired and maybe he should be fired. Maybe he should be. If I say that again, maybe they'll go on another seven for, uh, of eight win streak. Um, but anyway. The Knicks rule. They are so fun to watch right now. This is probably the most fun stretch of basketball I have watched since the 2020, uh, 2012-2013 season. This, and honestly, it might even be more fun because these are all homegrown players. The, the, this, this team is so annoying to play and it's just so much fun to watch. You have Mitch back who is, didn't skip a beat at all. Josh Hart fits this team like a glove and completely redefined what our second unit looks like. Now you have quickly and Hart who can both be playmakers and both score. Uh, and, and, uh, and then now you have a legitimate closing lineup getting RJ out of there. Who's had his struggles this year. And you have to give Tibbs credit too, because everything that was a knock on Tibbs his entire career completely upended it this year and it's worked. So maybe bullying works. Confirmed bullying works. I, I agree. No, but, but seriously, you're right, Alec. It's been lovely to watch this team. And similarly to the Rangers right now, we we're just talking about how, you know, some people who you don't know if they even care about hockey are coming out of the woodworks, talking about Patrick Kane on Twitter, talking about all the stuff that's so exciting about their favorite team on the hockey ice. That's what they call it, right? The hockey ice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. yeah. So, so now right. basketball fans, or I shouldn't even say basketball fans, people who are New York fans who are Knicks fans by trade are now popping out of the woodworks as well, saying how exciting this team is. I've talked to my friends uh, the other day. They're tapped in shout out Logan and mule mule, big time friend of the pod been on many times. Like they're, they're saying like, yo, I am now looking forward to Knicks games. Whereas different portions of this season, I didn't care. It wasn't a priority. I wasn't like seeking it out, but I've watched some games and now I'm, I'm locked in. That's what the Knicks are providing right now to their fans. And you have to just keep tipping your cap consistently to the Brunson Randall combo. They are like going out there every night, giving that star level effort. And that's something that you couldn't have said about Randall last year. Obviously Brunson wasn't in that position last year. So it wasn't truly expected. Anybody who's a Knicks fan, anybody who's a big NBA fan who had their own predictions for this season, even the most bullish, bullish, bullish Knicks person out there wasn't expecting 
to have two players at this level, this caliber, and then a, a cohesive unit of bench people who made sense, right? They're solid, one through nine, man. They're solid. And it's crazy that we got here, Alan. That's what like, I'm trying to get to is the fact that it's kind of nuts they got to this point right now, and it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel fluky. It doesn't feel like we're going to be regretting this, this podcast in a week or two because the rotation makes sense. It's There's depth there. There's defense on both sides of the rotation, starters and second unit, and it makes sense. And if you thought about this team in freaking October, November, and you're looking at Fournier, Rose, Reddish, and you're like, what the hell's going on? None of the what the hell's going on even exists right now, and it's kind of wild, and I, I'm like actually wrapping my head around it. Yeah. Would you say and it's similar you... to like the Giants situation? where you're Because everyone was pleasantly yes. surprised by the Giants. Uh, this season, would you, so again, I'm not a, I'm not an NBA guy. It's a well-known fact that I'm not an NBA guy, but would you, would you say that's comparable? Or would you say, would you say the Knicks are better than what the giants were, uh, during the season here? I, I would say they're better. The giant, like what Pete said before the, the, like, there's no flukiness. The giant season this season reminds me of the Knicks season two seasons ago where surprise four seed, you know, there, there was spark plugs off the bench when they had the Derrick Rose trade and, and it kind of carried them. They got hot at the right time, but they definitely struggled throughout the year. And they didn't really beat a lot of good teams, the Giants, this year. I mean, they did. Mm-hmm. They definitely had some good – but, they, you know, it, when they played like the Eagles, for example, they got blown out. This Knicks team can go toe-to-toe with any team. Uh, they may not win, but they're you can't count them out. For the past 10 years, you watch a Knicks game and you said, okay, they're playing the Bucks." they're going to lose that game right now. I don't know. They probably lose, but maybe not. And they just beat the Celtics yesterday. Right. Like that's, that's how it works. So I, I, I it's just, it definitely feels real legit. And um, going into the playoffs, you have a lot more confidence this year than you did two years ago because the, Randall got exposed because he was the only player and he would kick it out to Reggie Bullock or Alfred Payton. He doesn't have to do that this year. He, you know, you have your, you are solid one through nine. There is not one bad player in the rotation. Even our worst player this year being RJ is not a bad player. He's just yeah. not the guy that you want him to be at the moment. So yeah, and, um, it, and it quickly wasn't going up against like a Norman Powell in the six man conversation. Like he is probably a front runner, front runner level six man this yep. year, except Norman sure. Powell has been, just a monster the entire year carrying the Clippers offense when Kawhi and Paul George have been in and out. So he's probably not going to win the award, but he's going to get votes. And I'm Andrew, I'm really glad, glad you brought that analogy up because I've been workshopping a take over the past like two weeks that I just couldn't quite put my finger on. And I'm glad that I didn't go ahead and, and do it earlier because I don't think it makes as much sense as it did about three weeks ago, right? When the Knicks were kind of up and down still, they're a playoff team for sure, but how good are they? Are they super mediocre or whatever? And I, I was going to go out with this take. The Knicks are Daniel Jones. That was going to be my take. I was going to do a whole thing about how the Knicks are officially good. They're officially crossed the threshold of not being a liability, not being bad, being not just mediocre, but decent, solid, good, whatever words you want to use. With Daniel Jones went through that threshold this year. There's There was definitely some stuff that you still want to see more of from him, throwing touchdowns, et cetera, but you give him the benefit of the doubt without the receivers, yada, yada. Knicks were in that same exact zone where you looked at them and you said, I know for a fact they will be a top seven team. This is before the Nets trade with Kevin Durant, of course. They are a top seven team in this Eastern Conference, probably a top six team. Now they're even past that. So this take is almost null and void, which is why I think Alex's point was even better that the Knicks are uh, the Knicks from two years ago are more like the Giants from this year. Cause it really feels like they passed that threshold and they're now 
knocking at the door of the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Whereas a month ago, I was telling Alec, I don't see it. I don't think they're as good as the Cavs. I don't think they can hang with a team like that. And now you can have a real conversation saying, oh, they may not be as good at the top three or four players, but they are way better at, at a depth uh, location that could put them above them in a series, right? So they have passed that threshold of just being mediocre and respectable to a team that another, like the Sixers, the Cavs, are going to be like, okay, this is a serious battle going into playoff. Not like, a, oh, we're playing the Knicks. We should be fine, right? So yeah. there's something has changed over the last month. You're not getting a gentleman sweep like you did against the the, the Hawks series. Like, and if you do, it's going to be wired. You know, it's going to be back and forth the entire series, even if it's a, you know, goes a shorter series. This team's good. They're probably going to be better. And you know, we always need a superstar on the team. But like, I don't know that they're they're progressing with what they have and making the right moves and who knows maybe a superstar emerges right maybe maybe rj barrett figures it out next year because he has an actual offseason to work on it without the contract situation that he had and maybe he's the third piece that they need and they're, they're awesome there you're not going to get a Giannis uh, on this team right and, and if that's the case you can maybe get jalen brunson to be your donovan mitchell that we wanted right or something like that so it's just exciting this team is so sustainable at this point it's just you're not losing anyone important um, you can extend people. You're in a healthy cap situation, even though they're over. They own all the bird rights to all their players, so they can sign whoever the heck they want. And they still have a ton of picks. And that Dallas pick is gonna is looking better and better every day. Right. You don't know where that pick's gonna end up. If it's, I mean, likely assume the Mavs will be in the playoffs. You just you assume it, but you can't really put it in stone just yet, like you maybe felt about uh, a couple weeks back. Um, so yeah, the Knicks, man, they're they're serious, and the Mitchell Robinson return feels really freaking good because missing him was one of those missing pieces where the team was turning around, but there was just something missing with Hartenstein and Sims doing their best jobs. Like they were still kind of a weak point on this team. Mitch has been phenomenal this year and he deserves more credit na uh, nationwide, whatever league wide, if you will, he's starting to get some of it. I've been hearing more and more Knicks talk uh, throughout the NBA league wide level podcast and talk shows and et cetera, which always makes me nervous. Because I also am a Mets fan, and every time my team gets national coverage, I get a little excited when I'm in my car. I'm like, "Ooh, my favorite NBA podcast is talking about the Knicks in a positive manner. Wow, this is so fun!" And then, like, usually everything crashes and burns, but I don't feel that right now. I'm feeling confident. I even went into that game against the Celtics last night. You know, Jalen Brown's out. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. The Celtics are still probably a better team even without Jalen Brown. And I was like, the Knicks don't need to win, but they need to compete. And they shut me up. I needed more confidence. That was that was the case there. Um, so, Al, any more last words on the Knicks here before we move to baseball? Nah, but the only thing I'll say is the they had like the third uh, hardest strength of schedule for the remainder of the season. They're beating all the hardest teams in that strength of schedule, and now they're down to 18th. And if they get out of next week with the uh, with the Heat and the, and the Celtics and, and the Nets, although the Nets don't really count anymore, unscathed. Watch out for this team. They're not going to catch the Sixers or anything like that. But by the end of the season, they might be knocking on the door at the standings. Not that it matters, but just to show you where they where they've been at. And since that nine man rotation has been out there, I think it's been forty games or something like that. I think they're the fifth best team in, in basketball. So, yeah. And, and if uh, if they can be solidly a five seed, you feel like you have a chance going against the Cavs. You, you yeah. really do. You feel like you have yeah. a chance there. Drew, yeah. any any last thoughts here? No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Al Gargano, Andrew Kalanya, here to talk about baseball, the designated hitters in the house. So let's do some of that.
talk about the Mets and Yankees, about their their rotations and their positional battles, et cetera, in a minute. But we have to talk about these rules a little bit. Um, Drew, I think you actually have the rules up if you want to quickly run through them, uh, just since I, I know you have the link up there. Because there's, there's a couple, and there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of negativity. There's some people kind of zagging and saying it's not negative, and we're going to parse out how we feel about that situation. So, Drew, take it away. Sure. Uh, so we have the, the new shift rule. So obviously, I think that's the biggest of – of uh, on the offensive side anyway, that uh, now you have to have two runners on each side of the infield. They can't be touching the outfield grass. So on each side of second base, um, you can shift the outfielder over, but that'll just um, create even more, uh, I guess a risk reward type of uh, type of situation there for, for the, for someone trying to go the other way. Um, the pitch clock, which I think will be, you know, we already saw in spring training uh, the a game being decided by the by the pitch clock rule. I think after like the first month, uh, people won't be really talking about it. So it's down to I think it's twenty seconds with uh, with uh, runners on base and eighteen seconds uh, when the when it's empty. Um, so and it also limits uh, the amount of times that guys can throw over. Um, so that'll uh, in theory uh, help out the run game. Um, which also brings us to the larger bases. Um, so they were 15 by 15. Now they're uh, 18 by 18. With, if you saw, I don't know if you saw some of the, the pictures uh, pictures going around. It's actually a pretty significant difference. So, you know, if you think of any bang-bang play going back the last, like, five years, you think that, that runner is going to be safe now if, uh, you know, every time Brett Gardner got thrown out by, like, half an inch, like – you know, th- those were all been stolen bases uh, now. And then the uh, the Manfred man is here to stay in extra innings. I will not call it what uh, ML, what many people around the Internet are calling it. Um, they, a- a- many people everywhere are calling it. Well, the many people are wrong. It doesn't matter what many people are saying. So call it, it matters. It, it's, it's, a, it, it's 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 not the ghost runner. It's the zombie runner. The ghost runner was a term already created, but you know when you're when you're playing baseball as a kid, right? And you don't have enough people, you say, "Oh, there's a ghost runner on first, and they only advance one base." That's already the that's the definition of a ghost runner. It's been there for years and years and years and years. It's a zombie runner. The guy, the last guy out, is resurrected, put on second base. Which I I personally, I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not the I, I'm not a fan I'm not a fan of Alec just in general, but I'm just not a fan of this of this rule, um, to to begin with. Uh, well, at least at least at least put it in place in like the eleventh inning or something like that. Don't immediately, you know, like I don't think anyone's ever complained about a baseball game being too long. It's the moments that like. It's the downtime. Someone, uh, I think it was the pitching ninja that put together a side by side video. Like with the pitch clock, someone uh, uh, threw a, a complete half inning before, uh, you know, I think they compared it to like a 2016 playoff game where the guy, it took the same amount of time for someone to throw a half inning than for someone to throw one pitch in the yeah. playoffs. So, you know, that's the time. That's what you want to get rid of. So it's going to speed up the game. Um, but I, again, that's. That that I get, but I don't I don't I'm not in agreement of you know trying to end the game as soon as possible. That's like a player player and um, you know MLB friendly thing, not really fan friendly in my opinion anyway. 
So we're going to cover all that real quick, but let's stick on this whole runner situation because I think yeah. Drew, this is a the, classic. The what runner situation? The, the, the runner situation. The so, runner. How diplomatic of you. Runner situ- I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I think I'm going to take the side that Alec knows I'm going to take here. <laughs> Drew is right. Who cares is, is my opinion. <laughs> a ghost runner implies that it's like an invisible being, that there's mm-hmm. no one there. A ghost runner doesn't truly exist other than in theory. Right, Drew? Is that what you're saying? Like, like, yeah, exactly. Would you say that zombies really exist? Who cares? What are we talking about here? There's, at least a zombie a real implies term. a person being present. Yeah, a resurrected person. The, the last guy that got out, the last guy that got out is now resurrected. He's on the field of play. It makes perfect sense. He did die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Neither the, the, he's not a ghost either, but it's so what know? does it matter? So you're getting technical. You're 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 like uh, because right, uh, because the because ter- the, the term already <laughs> the term already existed. That is that is my overall point. The term yeah, already can I, ex- can I, can I, already can I, existed. Can I throw out something that might shatter your worldview? Maybe uh, not everyone growing up called it a ghost runner outside of the area you grew up in, in, in the Northeast, uh, or just more specifically. Definitely, in, in I did call it a ghost. I definitely called it a ghost I, on first. Yeah. I didn't yeah, say you ghost. didn't. I'm just saying, we don't know what they call it in Chicago. Kids growing up in, in Idaho or something like that. They might call it something different. You're coming in with your worldview and you're pushing it on me. And I don't like that. <laughs> that East coast, that East coast bias, man. You know, <laughs> you're a liberal elite. elite. but on on the idea of the runner of the zombie runner uh i i think that i kind of agree with you andrew i think that having the 10th inning as a normal inning of baseball makes sense to me and maybe they'll get there just because i I do think that there's some sort of weird advantage i don't know if the numbers flush out in in this regard or not for the but there's like an advantage for the away team right like the pressure gets put on the home team because the away team is so easily able to kind of push that one run across. And then all of a sudden the home team who's supposed to have the last licks and the advantage and the whatever is playing down one Oh for seemingly a stupid reason of, of this runner just existing on second base. Right. So I don't hate the idea of uh, the 10th inning being normal 11th or 12th, bring in the zombie and, and figure it out to get this thing moving along because the main point of this, of this rule is to save arms, to save uh, bullpens, to save players, but not ruining two days of subsequent baseball, right? So in that regard, yeah. I totally understand the rule and I'm here for it. Obviously, it's great that they just completely get rid of it in the playoffs. That makes perfect sense. Thank God they did that. If they put this in the playoffs, that'd be that'd be pretty crappy. Uh, yeah. So generally from that rule, I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me that it's in the 10th. I wish it was in the 11th or 12th because like you said, Drew, I think there's some complaints about games being too long, but no one's complaining about like the 10th, 11th, 12th inning being too long, right? They're complaining about the Yankees versus Red Sox taking three hours and 45 minutes on a nine inning game. Not about, oh, this one game out of three weeks went 12 and took three hours and 45 minutes. So I agree with you for the most part there. Uh, Alec, as far as the rule, not the name of the rule, do you even, do you even care at this point? Are you used to it? Uh, No, I'll never be used to it. I don't think I don't like it. But uh, and I agree with everything you guys are saying. But uh, just ultimately, and we'll talk about it later. But it is, you know, Drew said before that people aren't complaining about games being too long. And I always say that to people I'm friends with who don't like baseball and don't watch baseball. But they are like they're interested in what's going on right now, because they do feel that it's too long. Right? Like they've got you and me for 
life. 100%. I'm going to be a Yankee fan for life. I'm not going to not watch. So we're coming up with like a very myopic perspective of just like, this is what I know. This is what I like. But if it does grow the sport, I mean, the average audience of like a, of, of an MLB broadcast is like 78 million years old. So, um, yeah. you know, you, you got, you got to lower down the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the age group there. And if it gets people going it gets people going, um, I'd like to see more, baseball on espn or something like that but and if this is what gets it there into the national audience i'm down for it so um happy they're not doing it in the playoffs uh, i don't know if they're doing like the pitch clock and stuff like that in the playoffs i hope they're not they are um i, okay. I think they are yeah i uh, that worries me more than than you know what, what the other stuff uh but we can talk about that yeah. So yeah. And, and, oh, go ahead. There was also the, the, the now they also i forgot to mention they also limited the amount of um the hitters that that are pitched because they got so out of hand in the last couple of years where like teams were throwing out position players throw uh you know throwing innings when they were only down like four or five runs to try and save the bullpen so now it's you have to be down at least i think it's like eight or ten runs or something like that for you to be able to bring in a position player uh to throw an inning so oh, yeah, have mercy more, rule. i didn't know that yeah so at least uh now you'll you'll have uh more competitive you know, baseball and teams not just throwing in the towel and like the sixth inning when they're down by like five runs. Right. Bring so I think that's, be- that's, be- that's better for the sport to too. Start pitching. Like, yeah, like what are we doing here? Uh, yeah. So to move on to some of the other rules here so we don't spend too, too much time on this. The, the shift thing is going to be different, very different. Uh, I know I'm torn on it. I'm very torn on the rule because from a perspective of stripping the way, stripping away a defense from using – data and and just knowledge to be better it it hurts me from a competitive standpoint like that is something i don't subscribe to however the idea of more actionable plays more hits more base runners the big bigger bases leading to more stolen bases like i'm for that and my overall take is that i'm happy baseball is trying something because there's been too many years we've been doing this podcast for like four years now the the three of us Mm -hmm. Three, three years, four years, whatever it's been. At least. And how many conversations have we had leading into a season saying like baseball needs to do something to get more buzz, to get more conversation, to get more of a national buzz. Like locally, this game is thriving. Nationally, this game is irrelevant in, in a lot of people's eyes. And that's unfortunate, right? So that's something that we all agree on. We've been talking to we're blue in the face about what they can do to make it better. So whether or not we agree with the shift, whether or not we agree with the pitch clock, they are trying something, and that is something I easily subscribe to because they can change these rules. These rules were changed now. They can be changed again, and maybe they're going to make an adjustment to make the rule that we don't like that much a little bit better. Right. So from that side of things, I'm for them attempting to make the game a little bit more action-packed, a little bit more exciting, a little bit more offensive, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe the pitching yeah. getting too good here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm for that generally even if some of the specifics make me frustrated as somebody who, you know, grew up with this game and and, and whatnot. So I don't know if you guys agree with that general take here or not, but that's kind of my overall take. I'll get into some more specifics later. I I promise you, you'll get used to it. This is no different than a defensive three seconds or an illegal formation or something like that. You know, you, you need to have stuff like this. The shift has made the game really not fun in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I mean, Players can't adapt to it. They can't change their swing. You know, the, the whole argument of, oh, Joey Gallo should just be able to, to you know, hit it the other way. It just, it, the, the, the experiment's over. They can't do it. They're not going to change how they're doing it. And you, you do need more offense going forward. So it does feel weird. 
and it feels like, hey, you're 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 telling on them for for figuring out a good way to do it. Teams will always find a way to get an advantage. That's professional sports, right? So if away from them, I promise you the Rays in two years will be doing something completely different that we never thought was even possible, and everyone will start emulating it in five years. So. Um, I think it's I, I'm all about the shift going uh, g- going away. And it's not like they're completely saying no. They're just like triaging it a little bit. Right. They're saying, hey, you can't you can't have six people in the outfield uh, and nobody uh, covering third base or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think it's I, I it's I think it's going to be more player specific uh, positives than league overall specific, because I feel like. It's gonna be it's gonna be helpful to because mostly lefties are the ones that get shifted on to begin with. So like like Aaron Hicks got shifted like ninety two percent of the time last year. So it's gonna help him specifically, but I don't think it's gonna help you know uh, Aaron Judge all that much because obviously Aaron Judge is actually a good baseball player and Aaron Hicks is uh, <laughs> not. But you know like he'll you'll see offensive improvement from him and, and those type of guys that uh, and mostly left handers, but. I don't think offense around the league is going to just skyrocket. I think you'll see more balls in play, and I think you'll see more action on the bases. But I don't think that's going to lead to necessary like um, pitchers like being irrelevant because pitchers are still, or you know, everyone's still throwing a hundred. Everyone's still throwing the nasty, uh, you know, the sweeper. Everyone, every team seems to have uh, uh, learned now. So it's just a uh, just trying to balance in the scales a little bit more each way. I feel like pitchers are still going to get their strikeouts and get their due we just we'll just see a little more action on the base path which is which is ultimately a positive and and yeah i, I think that's all positive so I'm, I'm for that and i think i also cracked the code i was hanging out with a buddy of mine old baseball teammate of mine mike Tapola. alec knows him and I think, we, I think we discovered why some folks are so mad about this specifically people who you know maybe we know very well because this change is stripping away the advantages that players like that we know had in baseball, right? So like all the people who we know who played baseball didn't hit 35 home runs a game, right? It didn't exist in Staten Island high school baseball because we used wood bats unlike the rest of the freaking world. So like the good type of baseball players that we grew up around, that we played with, that maybe we were or were not, like <laughs> those advantages are gone for us, right? Like we, we were forced to hit the other way. We were forced to be good at defensive positioning in order to be, uh, to be a competitive baseball player because we weren't hitting 40 home runs. Like it didn't exist for players uh, who are no, now sitting on their couch watching this game like they could still play. That's got to be part of it to me a little bit here where, you know, the guy who's on his couch who watches 162 Yankee games a year, who was a scrappy second baseman in his day of little league and high school, you know, he, he lived on shooting the ball through the uh, between the second base and, and first base spot. Now that doesn't exist or he lived off, uh, sheeting up the middle, playing shortstop, whatever it may be. And that idea of taking away competitive advantages from players who can't hit 40 home runs a year, I think that's got to be part of it here where, you know, the, the baseball purist, and, and that's the people who are mad about this, right? You only know the people who are that mad are the, the people who love baseball, who watched it, like you said, no matter what. They're the ones who are upset and they're not going anywhere. Anybody who says, I'm not watching this game anymore. It's ridiculous. The pitch clock is fucking crazy. And this is not even baseball anymore. Like they're still going to be tapped into Yankees uh, Blue Jays on a Wednesday night at 945 PM. That's where they're going to be. They're not going anywhere. 
nothing that's being done hasn't already been done in a trial and experiment uh, aspect in other sports and succeeded. Nothing that they're doing. This is all aspects of what the NBA has done, what the NFL has done. It's all the same exact thing, just modernizing the game, which realistically they do need to do because, I, I mean, the last year was tough to watch. Last year was a bad year for baseball in terms of offense. I and mean, whether it's, you know, doing things like this, getting the juice balls back or something like that, they need to make more offense. Cause what do you think of when you think of like the most exciting times in baseball, you think of the nineties, you think of the, the, you know, the home run race and everything like that. You think of offense as much as I love to watch a good pitchers duel, as much as I love to watch in between every pitch in the playoffs, it's not going to captivate the other audience. I do worry that it is so much change at once. That's my kind of worry, but I think they do need to kind of rip the bandaid off, but it'll make me a little squeamish watching it. And I think that there's going to be a big adjustment period for probably the entirety of the season. You're going to see weird things like that um, person that I forget who did it, but the person um, striking out because of the pitch clock, the, the hitter clock and everything like that. You're going to see wonky stuff as they're getting used to it just because it's so much at once, but they had a lot of changes during the COVID season they got through it. Some of them are here to stay. And this, you know, the, what the NBA looks like now is not what the NBA looked like 30 years ago. And the game got better. So. Yeah, it'll just be fucking infuriating when the Yankees like lose a game because someone's not in the batter's box by the eighth second mark. Like, oh, man, the, like so many TVs will have like punches in them but because because of that happening in like the tri-state area, like. That's when that's when you'll you'll hear more about it. But I feel like after like the first like month of the season, like when pe- players get adjusted to it, because minor leaguers been playing with the pitch clock already. So like the the kids that are coming up now, they're already they're already used to it. So it's really about the veterans. It's really about you know some of the slower pitchers adjusting and things like that. So I feel like the first couple months of the season, maybe by by, by like June, I feel like it won't be a story anymore, but there's going to be, the, the Yankees are going to lose a game because of, this, of the rule. And it'll happen suck. to everyone. It'll and happen to everyone. It's going to suck so bad. And, and you know what though? I think even sooner than that, I, and I, we were joking in the group chat about spring training being irrelevant and how I watched the summer league and that's irrelevant too. And like all this stuff that preseason football irrelevant, like all this stuff is so relevant, but spring training this year has had, a lot of buzz about it with all these new rule changes. And I think that's a good thing, right? If you think about how these rules are implemented and Alec, you just mentioned like everything at once, it's a lot, it's a lot for fans to kind of wrap their head around. The fact that this spring training has caught enough buzz about it, that people are having the conversations now about the rule changes. It just relieves the pain of when the season starts in a month or so, you don't have to have these conversations for as long. It's going to be the first like week or two of the season. This is going to be a conversation and it's going to be over. And yeah, every once in a while you'll have a big game end on something stupid or the first out of the ninth inning in a close game when it's Aaron judge is going to get called out for something stupid and there'll be a little buzz. There'll be a little bit of a a WFAN open on that about how ridiculous it is or whatever. We're all going to move on. We're all going to get over it. The pitch clock is a good thing. And if they have to change the time from, you know, 18 to 22 next year or 24 to 28 when there's runners on whatever, whatever it's going to be like, that's all good. It's all good. And the fact that they're hitting it right now is a home run to me because we're getting through all these BS of the three of us on a podcast talking about shit that people care about, but also don't, do they really care? I don't know. Like, who are we talking to? We're talking to the hardos again, who are going to watch every Yankee game, no matter what. Listen, there was plenty of people. There was plenty of people who complained about the designated hitter in the national league for their entire lives 
nobody's complaining about it anymore. Nobody's saying now that it's here that they wish that they had a pitcher hitting, right? You're right. You'll get you. you'll get used to this in a year. Yeah, or like um, where you had to throw four balls instead of just telling someone to yeah. walk because Manny Ramirez <laughs> hit that ball that one time, you know, you know, or Miguel. It was Miguel Cabrera that hit that ball that one time, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but I think even the 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 bigger rule change that that wasn't implemented here is the 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 cha- the strike challenge system that's probably going to come next year, and mm. that was the one I was kind of hoping that was going to come this year because I'm just so sick of Aaron Judge getting called out on those low strike calls and to be able, him to be able to challenge it and you know get those overturned and not and have his on base percentage be like 700 like was, yeah but Robo be, Robo arms are coming next year aren't aren't they. No, I think I, I, they're testing out the robo. I think in the minor leagues this year, they're doing robo umps, I think Monday through Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're using the challenge system where mm-hmm. it's a, it's an actual umpire calling. And then like you get three challenges per game or something like that. So like that slows the game down though. No, well, the challenges it's, it's instantaneous. It's like tennis, like the, you know, like it, tennis it, is like, there it is. Yeah, it's like the guy. I uh, I saw a video on it. It took like seven seconds for them to challenge it and to, for him to get the call. Like the uh, the batter like taps his helmet. They check the the guy gets the earpiece. He said, "Oh, that was like the system says it was a, it was a ball." Con- continue the at bat, and that's it. Like they, I will they don't say one thing I will miss. Like that. I will miss one thing. I guarantee you, I will always miss once they eventually take it away. Having no more managers running out screaming at umpires. That will suck when that will no longer be a thing, whether it's the challenge system or because like even now, managers really have to find a good opportunity to go screaming at the at the home plate umpire because everything is everything is challengeable at this point. So um, that'll really suck one day when like our grandkids are watching and like they, they don't have to, they don't get to witness a Terry, uh, uh, Terry Collins freak out on the mound or anything. No more like asses that. in the jackpot. you know? Yeah, I mean? exactly. God, give us a shot. God, give us a shot. <laughs> I'm trying, Terry. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that, that actually will be missed. And now, uh, like, managers will have to just admit that they're going yeah. just to get a, a rise from their team. Like, Aaron Boone mm-hmm. gets thrown out, like, seven times a year. It's like, oh, and look at the Yankees, how they responded. Who says Aaron Boone doesn't have any emotion? <laughs> We're going to have to have that conversation, but it'll just be like, oh, he was just mad. So he just ran out there. And think of the T-shirt sales that'll go down when you, they can't make like a new Savages in the Box uh, T-shirt set that goes all over the internet or rest in the jackpot. Yeah, right. And you know what? You know what will be good though. I think this could be fun in stadium experience. When there's a challenge, you got to have some sort of uh, some sort of chant that goes on, like oh, like, change. Like that could be that could be fun. You figure yeah. that out. I, I'm in, but you got to do the work on that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody will do it. Works. Workshop it, man. Reachers out around. But I think the hybrid of regular umps with the challenge is a good intro to robo umps. We'll probably get there, I think, more in like five to ten years rather than in a, in uh, in two years. I think on the robo ump front. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, anything Drew, else? Did, oh, go ahead. Real real quick, Drew. Did they change the the uh, the challenge system to like extend more if you if you get the call right? I don't think you yeah, yeah it's it's always been you get to keep the challenge if you get it right. I don't think you get more challenges. I think you get to keep your challenge if you get it right. Which makes like them to give more. Well, I think it'll be fun when like Kyle Higashioka is up in like the seventh inning and like challenges like a, 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 the second pitch of an at bat, and we're like, ah, oh, that was the last challenge we had. What do you yeah. hate more, Drew? Drew do you hate Kyle Higashioka more than the the Ghost Runner? Oh, 
Damn, that's like <laughs> <laughs> real Sophie's choice. Yeah, really. It's like so you want to you want to die of cancer or a gunshot wound to the head. I don't know, man. Gunshot Probably wound. pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty obvious choice. Uh, last thing on the rules, uh, they did officially kind of maneuver the scheduling around a little bit this year. Correct? Is that right, Drew? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's a balanced schedule, so every team's going to play every other team, which is exciting for me because uh, I'm going to be in Colorado on a bachelor party which I maneuvered a bunch of Met fans to go see the Yankees play the Rockies. So I'm really excited about that one. Shout out to uh, Mount Burns and the, and the bachelor party. Yeah. Which I like that idea too. You get to see every team, like, you know, the Mets mm -hmm. don't need to see the Brewers more than like once or twice or whatever it's going to be. Right. Like you don't need to play uh, some NL random division an extra time, like play, play everybody. Why not more exciting? Get to see all the players. You get that that time where Shohei's in New York, not just against the Yankees, but he's playing the Mets too. Like all yeah. that stuff, that's a good thing. I think the Mets schedule did work out pretty weirdly. I was listening to a pod about it earlier. They play the Marlins like seven times in the first like couple weeks of the season and then don't play them until September. Like it's like nuts how that worked out. So that's kind of weird. And the same thing with the Phillies. Like they play the Phillies um, only in like April and then like September again. Like it's very, very weird to land like that but whatever I'll, I'll move on i don't really care yeah it do, it is difficult though like in baseball knowing like having your teams that you have in your division that you're going to play is nice for you to be able to work your own standings right like to, to mm -hmm. be able to control it it's different in basketball because this is essentially what, what basketball has been doing for like the past 15 years or something like that um but uh only 82 games so for uh for 162 it's really weird um, not being able to like, hey, I'm three games behind the Red Sox. I'm up, or I'm three games behind the Marlins, for example. I'm not playing them again until September. That's tough, right? That's really right. tough to do in the standing. So I don't know if I love that one yet. I like the idea of it, but implementation wise, it might be a little weird. Exactly. Um, and yeah. until unless they they move to an NBA standing system where it's like top eight teams, right? Instead of division yeah. leaders. And I hope like I that. hope that'll be. I think when they whenever they get expansion done i think they're they're talking about um nashville and vegas having like the two new teams so i assume when expansion happens and you have 32 you can go to an nba style standings like that um so i i would anticipate that coming down the pipeline but i think they have to figure out tampa and oakland's uh, ballpark situation first before they can expand well i'm, I'm sure they would also have to to like gerrymander like, like they'd have to re no, restructure the the conferences and everything like that it's just it's so much change i mean it, right. the problem is that it was it's all been so overdue that now they're doing it all in like the next two three yeah. years or so and it's just it's a lot and, and like right. i do think you'll lose some fans like i don't think it's as much as like you, you we were talking about before where hey you got me for life not everyone's me and drew right there are a lot of people yeah. that are are like like you, for example, like yeah, you don't watch every Mets game, right? Yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. I don't, don't watch don't... 162. I watch 82. Right? You know, what I mean, I watch half the games. It's tough to watch every single game for me. Right. So, like, I do think that a lot of the, a lot of those people, there will be some drop offs there, and I'm not saying it's going to be like five people in the country. Like, there's going to be a substantial. You just hope that the risk reward is there for all the new people that you're going to get. But yeah. I don't know that I don't know that there's a lot of. It, it might just be the way that it is with baseball, right? I, I don't know that there's a ton of people that are going to want to get in there. They don't do a great job of marketing their players. Like, I don't know any like 12 year old kid who's like, I want to go watch the Yankee game tonight. Whether, whether you trim it down to two and a half hours and you do all this stuff or not, you know, it, it is a little, 
I'm a little skeptical of a lot of things. I hope it all works out, but you know, that's where I'm standing right now. I think, you know, again, it's a, it's a local. I say they're excited to go see Aaron judge. I don't think they're necessarily excited to go see the Yankees. So uh, anyway, uh, I totally lost my train of thought there, but I agree. Cut it. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Good job, everybody. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see where all that stuff goes and you know, the, uh, the whole idea of the, Super East Division. That was a big talking point a couple weeks ago, and that guy from oh, yeah. the, wrote the article. That I was, was like, "That Mets, was my point." Mets, Phillies, Red Sox, and Yankees in the division. What a disaster for us! That would be horrible. Yeah. It would be so exciting, but it would be horrendous. Like you got the freaking Reds and Brewers and whoever in, in one division, and we got the yeah, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, and Phillies. That'd be that'd be brutal. That'd be very tough. But yeah, what are you gonna do? It's probably not gonna happen anyway. So it's no. it's all good. It's all and the balance schedule is there to, you know, again, it's a more of a baseball's effort to grow the game. So now everyone's going to be able to go because the Yankees draw wherever they go. So now every single team will be able to go out and see the Yankees come into town. So like in that sense, it's again, it, this is, I think this is more of baseball actually waking up and saying, hey, we need to actually do some things to grow the game. So it's all I think, you know, it's going to take some getting used to, but I feel like it's going to be a net positive overall for the game of baseball. You know, again, you might lose some fans, but I feel like in the end, they'll gain those fans back, uh, you know, or else or again, baseball has been dying for like 40 years now. So, but it's, it's not going anywhere. So the game will be fine. The game will survive and thrive and change. And that's just, that's just life in general. That is uh baseball. Susan. How you doing? Yeah. All it right. is what so, it is. Let's talk about the Mets and Yankees 45 minutes into this podcast. We'll finally talk about the two teams that we care about the most. So we got to do that exact thing. And let's start off with the New York Yankees, who uh, we obviously covered their offseason a little bit throughout. We talked about, you know, what additions they made versus didn't made. And now they have a team and they're ready to make uh, moves. And they're ready to compete again. They're ready to be out here looking for that uh, elusive 28th championship. So let me just ask you, Drew, off the rip here. What is the vibe like over here in Yankee spring training? What are the big position battles and how are you feeling generally? Uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. Um, in, in general, uh, I'm still a little disappointed by their overall moves in the off season. Again, I don't give any team credit for resigning, just resigning their players. Again, you know, you had to resign Aaron judge and you had to resign Anthony Rizzo. But then they didn't really do anything else on the offensive side. And the offense was a real problem last year. And, and it still looks like it's going to be a big problem until, you know, unless Peraza takes a big step forward, which, you know, he's looked pretty good in camp and Volpe's looked good in camp. But I don't think Volpe's going to be starting the year at the majors. I feel like they want Peraza to start shortstop and then they'll bring Volpe up. Um, you know, as it gets a little more seasoning at AAA, because I think he only had like 35 at bats or something like that in AAA last year. So, um, you know, uh, Jason Dominguez has impressed in camp uh, in the short time he's there. He had a bomb out of the stadium in his first at bat against the Phillies in the first spring training game. Uh, I had COVID and um, I, I, I farted when uh, I thought when I when he hit the home run and I thought I shit my pants when he hit it out of the. <laughs> I had it out of the stadium. That's how no, impressed fuck. I was. I was out of left field. Uh, <laughs> I believe that was out of yeah. left field. It was out of yeah. the stadium. It was out of the stadium. Yeah. It was o- almost out of my pants. And did you um, see the pants or no? We're, we're doubling no, down on this, it, huh? It was, it was close. It was real close. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I was really impressed by Jason Dominguez so far in camp. The the Again, Volpe and Peraza look pretty good. Um, you know, that's I think like that's the biggest um, – 
thing for me is is uh, the how are they going to shuffle the infield positions for the that Yankees? Super weird. <laughs> Alec is still flabbergasted. <laughs> so I Can we circle back on this? Can we? Have to- <laughs> <laughs> Can we explain this part real quick? Is it like? No, it's, I, again, I had I had COVID for the first time, and you know I was sitting everyone there. Knows, everyone knows that farts are just a little bit more dangerous when you have COVID. Oh, absolutely, dude! I was peeing out my butt for like uh, for for a couple of days there, and then I'm watching Jason Dominguez, and so he comes up, and I like I, I fart, and I was COVID. just like, oh, I Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had COVID many times at this point, uh, and I've never <laughs> shit my pants in COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I I almost shit my pants. I said almost. No. I said I farted when he hit that's, the one. Like I I jumped up. Let's not it was like a brown a, streak through Andrew's point here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Wow. Uh, let's, let's not yeah. drag Drew through the mud. All right. Let's let's just Jeez, move on through the, oh, through the mud butt. <laughs> Doubling down, tripling down. Did you say mud butt? Yeah. And, don't and drag him through the mud butt. Oh God! I don't even know how yeah. we respond from that. Where we were we talking? We were talking yeah, about the, 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 the position battles for the infield. So I think the I, anyway the 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 most important thing is that the Yankees already have too many infielders at the moment. Uh, DJ Lemayhew, yeah, I don't think he's even gotten into a game yet. Uh, you know, he said he's a hundred percent. The toe is a hundred percent from you know not having uh, off season surgery. But who knows at that point? Donaldson's uh, 37 years old who can't still can't catch up to a fastball. So you have question marks there. Uh, Glaber Torres, um, he's still a good player, he, but he can't be your fourth best hitter, which unfortunately he is at the moment. Um, and then you have kids at the shortstop position. So that's, you know, it's trying to figure out that main puzzle. Um, for the Yankees and spring training, I feel like that's going to be that's the main t- the main story point for the Yankees in spring training. Now it's just figuring out what you're going to do with all those infielders. And, and Alec, do you have any strong takes on who you want to land in any of these spots? Like, are you you know keeping up with this this spring training here? Not that you're watching, but are you keeping up saying like I'm hoping this guy pulls out enough success to get this spot to earn I'm, his spot. I'm always I'm always hoping for a Pete Alonso situation from a couple of years ago when he first broke into the league, right? We're not going to do any uh, playing time manipulation or whatever it is uh, uh, so the you know contract manipulation. I'd love for them to just be like, "Hey, Volpe, if you if 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 Volpe were to continue to crush it, right? And he just he clearly earned the spot and it really was a meritocracy. Give him the shot." It, I, I want young guys in left field, and I want a, a young guy at short this year. Everything else, I think we're fine because you just don't know what you're going to get. So if you go into the season essentially doing what you did to end, end the postseason last year, which is Peraza at short and Cabrera in left, I'm fine with that because you're going to spell Cabrera too because from what they're saying about having Judge in left field, which I have every bit of confidence that Judge can play a good left field uh, and, and, and be really you know excel there. Uh, and then Stanton plays better and he's healthier when he's playing the field. So that, that yeah. works for me too. And then you, you figure it out. You put DJ where, wherever you have to put him if he's playing. You put him at DH a lot if you can so that you can, you know, spell things out for him. But, um, yeah, give me Peraza and Cabrera to start the season or or, Pera- or, or Volpe and Cabrera to start the season and I'm good to go because they'll get better. One, maybe they don't both hit. I'm willing to bet one of them is going to hit. Uh, uh, Cabrera looked good 
last year. I, I see I see enough out of him to to feel like, hey, that guy can be an everyday player. He may not be a superstar. I don't think his ceiling is superstar by any stretch of the imagination. But I'd like to see what what they get. It's the same thing about quickly, right? Until he until he felt com- comfortable with his minutes and not getting taken away he struggled, but then once he felt comfortable knowing that, that was his job, he excelled. And that's what you have to do with kids sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. They, should have, they should feel like they have the leash to do that. And they don't typically feel that way, which is the problem with, and it's the yeah. problem we've been talking about with the Yankees for, for years now, where whether they're not allowing themselves the leash because of the, the playtime manipulation and contract stuff, or if it's just, they have some sort of uh, mental stop on trusting young people to be their guys that's been something that's been an issue for them. So I, I, I hope personally as a non-Yankees fan, just for rooting for excitement in New York baseball, that that is the case. Cause I think that last year when they went on their little run towards the end of the year there, that energy brought by Peraza and Cabrera was palpable and, and you felt it. You felt the energy shift when you saw those young guys up in the roster. So prediction quickly, Volpe, what not, not what you want to happen, not what you think should happen, but just off what you think will happen does Volpe start the year off on the the major league team, and if not, when does he come up? I think he's. I don't think he's going to start uh, with the team, but I think he'll be up by by the middle of May. I agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. All right. All right. On to the pitching quickly because we want to not spend too much more time on this, uh, you know, shit stain of a podcast here. But with the pitching, <laughs> yeah, I'm going. He's, right. Alec is just he's 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 still taken back. Alec, he's Alec, like a, got, he needs to Alec. fan himself off. He's like like a, oh my very, oh my stars. Very rarely am I like at a loss for words. Are uh, you flustered right now? Do you have poopy problems? Are you like not comfortable <laughs> talking about? Poop it was right? it wasn't the story. It was there was zero segue. The first is like he's talking he's talking about pitch clocks or whatever he's talking about, and then all of a sudden it's like so I had COVID and I shit my pants. It was like what? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you gotta just you gotta keep people on their toes, man. That's one thing I learned about doing this podcast. You gotta keep people on their toes, man. The, yeah. You know, we can only talk about things so much. Where if like someone was just like listening along, like oh man, someone you know he almost shit his pants after Jason Dominguez hit a home run out of the stadium. Like true, that's, true that's what the people want. True statement. I did a podcast with Pat Boyle and Cody O'Connor during football season here where we were talking about something and and I just like I cut off after Pat finished his statement and Cody was about to talk. I was like, hold on, guys, I got to go. I'm gonna, I might shit my pants. And I, I left my my desk here, turned my mic off and then left. And then I came back in a few minutes and they were just still talking about the topic. And I was like, did they not stop? I thought they were, I thought that was understood that they were going to stop talking. <laughs> and then I'd come back, I'd fix it in post and whatever. And then I was like, Oh, they kept talking. So I kind of just got back into it and kept talking and I left it in the podcast. I left it on the YouTube. It's still out. Sometimes there. you think something is going to stop and then it comes out. You know? <laughs> there you go. See, now you get it. Now you get it. I'm yelling right now too. So oh my God. Anyways, oh, boy, <laughs> let's talk about the pitching really quick. I feel like for the Yankees, uh, <laughs> Pitching's pretty solid. It's been for the Yankees for some time now. Uh, with the rotation, I mean, Garrett Cole, obviously you feel good about that. Uh, Nestor Cortez, when he's fully healthy, you feel good about that. Severino, you feel really good about that based off how he's looked uh, towards the second half of last year. Rodon's new, but he is a good player. Domingo Herman slotted in number five right now. From that starting rotation standpoint, any big question marks, any big concerns, or any big uh, you know stars in the making that you see him? 
Yeah. I, I think the team has, um, you know, there's, I think there's injury concerns there. I mean, Rodon has, has some injury concerns in the past. Severino's never been fully healthy. Nestor, uh, you know, had that bat with the hamstring and now he's got one. Now it's, uh, now it's flared up again. So yeah, I think it's all stuff you have to be monitored, but nothing that's uh, immediate red flags here. So I think it's the same amount of, you know, injury concern that every pitching rotation in the big yeah. leagues had just, uh, you know, just each guy has, you know, you're not, you're not, uh, you know, hoping you're not, not, I don't know. You're not crossing your fingers, hoping that something bad is going to happen. But like, if something does, like, you know, the Yankees have enough depth and, you know, Clark Smith looks really good in spring training so far. So he's a good guy that can be able to step in if someone else goes down. So they have the pitching depth to be able to, you know, survive someone going on like a two week IL stint. So they'll be, they're, they're, they're looking really great there. That's the, that's the one thing I'm not worried about with this team is the rotation. There you go. I'm assuming you're also not worried about the bullpen, right? Yeah, that too. The pitching, yeah. they're great. The offense, I'm, I'm very skeptical uh, all around about. Yeah. yeah. All right. Beautiful. Sounds like uh, a plan. It sounds like we have some good things to look forward to for the Yankees. So let's move on to the New York Mets across the, uh, the train tracks or something like that in New York river there. There's a river. No. Yeah. There's a river there. No. Between yeah. the Mets and the Yankees. Yeah. There's, there's, a, totally there's a bridge. Hardcore there's a bridge. Um, anyways, talking about the New York Mets, similar conversations here. Uh, the off season is a little bit more, you know, highfalutin, if you will, than the Yankees, a little bit more action. Uh, from the Mets perspective, but similarly with the big additions of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and Kadai Senga, who will likely be one, two, three in the rotation. The Carlos question, Correa. uh, well, yeah, well, at first I was thinking about pitchers. I thought Carlos Carrasco has been on the team ready. Correa, obviously that brings me to my point. So good segue. We'll talk about the pitching in a minute. The big question mark, the big concern for the Mets is also the offense, right? The offense probably played a little bit above their head last year, just based off of the amount of output from uh, Francisco Lindor on the RBI front, you know, Starling Marte and Jeff McNeil had really, really stellar seasons. Mark Hanna, you know, hit the crap out of the ball. People kind of played above their baseball cards for the most part. But even with that being said, Pete Alonso still was the only true power bat in the lineup. He kind of remains as the only true power bat in the lineup. Uh, not really counting, you know, Vogelbach. If you is he a power guy? Is he just a good hitter? I don't know. So, from the perspective of offense for the New York Mets, some of those question marks do still exist about can they drive in enough runs? Can they be powerful enough as an offense? And they have their own little, you know, conversations and battles about young guys like Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos getting their chances to come up. So, Drew, with this Mets offense. Is it an upgrade from last year? Is it the same team running back hoping for the best to the best case scenario again? And is this question mark serious enough to be a concern? I the Mets, I'm not concerned, like as concerned about. I got the power is the one thing I think the offense is missing, and I think that I think it'll eventually get addressed again. But um, you know, they re-signed Nemo. You know, McNeil. McNeil has played a at you know. It's, I don't think these are like one in like blip years that like these are like their career years they are, Nimmo has always been a high on base guy and uh you know he did that last year McNeil again I don't think he might win a batting title again but he was always showed promise um and I think what you can kind of hang your hat on here is that you have Alvarez he's gonna be you know he's gonna try and um you know they're gonna try to get 
as much, you know, trying to develop him more as a catcher, but I think the bat's there. So whenever he comes up, I think it's going to be a similar timetable as uh, Volpe. I think he'll be up early in the year, and I think you'll be able to upgrade at the catcher position or at the DH position right there um, with Alvarez. And then you also have Beatty, and you have Vientos, and you have Mauricio. So you have all the – you have the Mets have position players in the upper minors that are ready to contribute. Um, and, you know, so you can – that lower third of the order of Vogelback, Canna, Escobar, and Navias, those those can get upgraded internally throughout the season. Um, I mean, ideally, it sucks that you lost Carlos Correa and the situation worked out. And, you know, that holds, you know, not to go on a, on a tangent for them. And I don't really know what the Mets were doing in, in terms of their uh, medical evaluations because they used the same exact doctors that the Giants used. And they were surprised that, like, the Giants doctor who said there was something wrong with his leg also told them that something was wrong with his leg, and then they tried to renegotiate. So, like, that whole process kind of um, – it was very weird to me that they went with the same medical opinions of the of the Giants. So, like, when it fell apart, uh, you know, that really sucks. And, you know, I feel like they're still missing that that extra big bat in there. But, again, I feel like they, they have the depth internally in those, those talented minor leaguers to be able to substitute them in. And then, obviously, Steve Cohen is – ready to take on a big contract and, you know, he's ready to throw the, you know, name a highway after Shohei Otani in the off season. He's already talking about, you know, trying to, he'll probably offer him $500 million to come play for the Mets. So, um, you know, you can, you can't discount uh, uncle Steve there on improving the team, you know, at, in the drop of a hat. Alec, you were shaking your head. So I feel like you kind of disagree a little bit. I think they got worse, like objectively worse, and they have question marks everywhere uh, on this team. Um, I mean, you're pitching your entire rotation is a giant question mark. Talk about injury concerns. I mean, you have you have Verlander now, who's let's focus in on on the hitters for a second. We're going to get to the pitchers. Yeah, they're, they're hit, like you said before. They don't have power hitters. They have they have Pete Alonso, and you need the only way to win in this league is with power hitting. You have to have it. You it's it's important to have supplemental hitting, which is what they have. And you know, uh, like Lindor, for example, was above his power numbers. He wasn't a power hitter last year. You need to have a couple guys who could hit you 35, 40 home runs on your team. You just have to to win in this league. It showed up in the playoffs too, right? They didn't ha- they didn't score in the playoffs because. You have to hit hit home runs to, to move forward. Look at what the Yankees did to get out of the first round. They were not hitting anywhere near as good as Cleveland was. You need to have you need to have power hitters on that team. Carlos Correa would have been a perfect player for that team. Didn't work out. I'm not going to cast judgment over it because I don't know what happened there. But like that would have been a guy that they should have gotten, and they didn't really have a backup plan. Um, and I know you, you want to only talk about the offense, but I mean. I think it's important to talk about the rest of the team. Oh, or, yeah, we're gonna, you can go to it now. You can go to it now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you have a lot of question marks on that rotation. You don't know what Verlander is going to look like, right? He's he just won the Cy Young. Yeah, I understand that, but he, I think part of that was that he he was he didn't pit. He's forty two years old, right? 40. I think he didn't. Okay, you have two pitch. Yeah. Your your number one and your number two are in their forties. That's not on paper. That is not a recipe for success. Yeah, you have Jose Quintana. Big question mark. Has had great years. Has had really bad years. You have Sen- Sengai or how I don't know how to pronounce his name. Senga. Senga. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, any Japanese pitcher who's never who's coming here for the first time is always going to be a gigantic question mark. I've seen a lot of them fizzle. I've seen more of them fizzle out than than do well here in, in, in the thirty years I've been watching baseball. Um, 
I just and and their defense. I mean, I mean their bullpen too. I mean, I know you're big on David Robertson, but he's also like 40 years old too. They they have a lot of old heads on this team, and you're talking about okay. And I understand that's a fair point of, of the fact that they have a lot of really high-end prospects that can come up. We don't know how Steve Cohen's going to operate this team with prospects. If he's going to pull, if he wants to be the new Yankees, the Yankees model is not letting prospects play. He'll probably trade those prospects to get the next big name guy. I don't think he's really like he's get he's doing really good short term, but like the team's going to be in weird shape in three or four years with all of these big names, and he's going to continue to do it until something clicks, and it might not ever click. So. I don't know. I'm not saying the Mets are going to be a bad team and by any stretch of the imagination, but they were a hundred win team last year. I think they got worse. Um, I think that that division uh, as has been the case for the past three years is arguably the, the strongest division in baseball. And it's hard to get out of that. They're going to keep the standings the way that they do. And uh, I just, I, I'm not confident in this team whatsoever. You would assume that the, the the Braves and the Phillies are going to look good this year, and probably outpace them uh, for for a solid amount of the season. Yeah, so, I definitely think with the with the rotation, you're gonna have to you know keep an eye out on Verlander and Scherzer and make sure that they're you know you have to keep in mind that it's a you know you're playing for the playoffs here. You're not playing for the regular season, so it'll be interesting to go when you're down the stretch. If the Mets are in a tight race for the division, are they going to try to win the division or are they, you know, trying to play the longer game and keep Verlander and Scherzer fresh for the postseason? Because uh, that's definitely something you're going to have to monitor. They're not 230 Wait. inning pitchers anymore. They're probably probably close to 180, 190 inning pitchers, you know, um, you know, but you have barring to. You any, have- any kind of injury. Right. You have to keep them down the stretch because the way that the new playoff format works, we saw what happened last year. You nobody's going to be playing for you know like okay like it's in basketball like I'll, I'll let go down two seeds because I'll wait for the matchup or whatever it is. That having the first round by was monumental for a lot of these teams. That I mean, credit a lot of them lost in the in their their next round, but like it's better than losing in the uh, in the play in yeah. game or whatever they call it. The that Padres, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I and I that we saw what Verlander looked like towards the end of the season and some of those playoff games. Like he wasn't the reason that they won the they made that playoff run that they did last year. If, if anything, they won in spite of him. Um, so I don't know. I just I, I and Scherzer did the same thing too. He imploded in the playoffs. So I, I don't think that's a recipe for success. And and of course, like you said before, any team has to worry about injuries. This team in particular has to really worry about injuries. Everyone on there has gotten a Tommy John or has been had some serious. I mean, Quintana is an injury concern. Senga Senga's coming over. Japanese pitchers historically get hurt a lot, um, and uh, for whatever the reason is when they come over. And then Scherzer and um, and Verlander are gigantic injury concerns. So I, I don't know. This team could hit. I think the Yankees. Like remember last year when we said Yankees have the 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 higher floor, lower ceiling, and right. the Mets have the. I think it's the opposite this year. I think the Yankees have the higher ceiling, and the, and, and the Mets have uh, probably have the better floor. But I don't know. There's a lot of variance with uh with this team. And, and that being said, you still believe the Mets are their floor is still pretty high, right? You still think they're an 88 win floor or something like that, 86. Win I think floor. they're a 92 win season, a right. two win team this year. Right, which again, that should get them into the playoffs. But in this division, it very Absolutely. well may not. Uh, it very well may not. And you know, you saw what the Phillies did last year. You don't necessarily have to be that division winner, but you you like to be. You very much like to be. And if the Mets won the division last year, who knows how differently you know their postseason goes? I, I think your question marks are fair. 
just because you're relying on a 40-year-old and a 38-year-old and Max Scherzer to be your one and two, there is definitely still a universe where this clicks well in the regular season. Uh, and the, the playoffs are a different conversation. But there's a chance if Kodai Senga is what he could be, or even you know 80% of what we think he could be, he's a fantastic number three starter. Carrasco was solid last year, and Quintana is a question mark because of the ups and downs of his career. So I, I agree. I don't think it's a, like any sort of guarantee that they're going to be a juggernaut this season. I think the, the Phillies having this gravitas now of a team that just made the World Series and all their moves actually paying off when for most of last year, if we actually remember correctly and think about what we felt in the middle of last year, the Phillies right. were, were fine. The Phillies were, were whatever good team. They were, they were like what we were talking about with the Knicks earlier, right? Like they're, they were through the threshold of being uh, mediocre, but they weren't special. And then all their guys started clicking. All their stuff worked out well. And now they're looked at as a juggernaut this season coming up. So yeah, but that's unfair too, though, because Bryce Harper was out for the vast majority of last season. I mean, he had, and, he had, and then he was fantastic. And then he was like off the charts good. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a fine point. Um, and, and back to the offense real quick. I don't know if they have holes per se, like none of the, they don't have real weaknesses uh, from, from an offensive or lineup perspective, talking about offense and defense, really, but they don't have really holes, but there are a couple of places where you just want more. Right. And when, when Escobar Canna, and I don't want to bloop Marte into that cause he's better than that, but like the Escobar and Canna's of the world are super mediocre like, what does that mean for this team? Does that mean that they're not pushing across five runs because of the timely hitting and just racking up RBIs in timely situations? That power thing is more likely to come to a head this year than it did last year, obviously, because it worked out last year in the regular season. So I'm, I'm concerned from like putting extra runs on the board, but it's not like you could point to one specific person and say he's the problem. Does that make sense, Drew? Yeah, no, you can't, you can't, you know, unlike the Yankees, you can point to Josh Donaldson and say, he's not going to contribute offensive, most likely not going to contribute offensively. Aaron Hicks is not going to likely contribute offensively. Jose Trevino is not likely going to contribute offensively. So like the, the Yankees have a lot more holes uh, there, um, but the Yankees are definitely a lot more top heavy than the Mets. So the Mets have a lot, a little bit more depth. Uh, one through five, when I said the Yankees probably have a good solid four hitters in their lineup rather than, you know, the six, seven, I would personally feel more comfortable with uh, on the team offensively. Yeah. And it's just a weird dichotomy, really. And that's going to be interesting to see how the Mets hang this year because there's a chance that, you know, we sound silly and they are a 100 win team again this year. They have that capability inside this roster right now. And, you know, we'll have to see what happens with these young guys because if Beatty. Yep. If baby does get a chance, I mean, they brought him up last year, right? He already got his taste. So the fact that, you know, is he going to start at third base to start the season? Probably not, but he will likely be a part of this team moving forward. And if he yeah. gets his chance and, and works out, that could be another guy who's a power bat. Vientos isn't like a, a, a huge power hitter, um, but like these guys have the chance. And I think Alec, to your point of Steve Cohen, maybe not being sure how to use prospects or if he wants to use prospects, the fact that they put them in situations last year, or at least really just Beatty, even though he kind of failed, like they tried it last year. They tried it. It makes me believe that they're going to probably try it again this year. And if that leads to them making a big trade for whoever the big uh, guy on the market is going to be, that will probably end up stinging a little bit. It probably will, but I don't think he's going to be afraid to try them out is my main point. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm looking at this like this isn't the Mets team that you grew up with anymore, right? This they are the new Yankees, right? And, and I don't mean they're surpassing the Yankees, but they're in like the same stratosphere and they're going to operate, I would assume, similarly to the Yankees, right? It's all nice and, and, and new in the beginning when you do things and, you know, Steve Cohen's flaunting his money around, but like that you realistically, like, you can't run a, a team like that. You just can't continue this for forever, right? He's trying to change the dynamic and how it goes. But <clears throat> I know from watching the Yankees operate like this my whole life that it comes with some some real flaws, right? If you're sacrificing pitching and you're constantly going for lottery ticket pitching, which is what they're doing this year, usually doesn't work out. Um, this is the first time the Yankees have ever, like the, last year was the first time the Yankees had a, a pitching rotation. That I was like, holy shit, the Yankees have a really good pitching rotation in my entire life. That includes, you know, uh, some of the best championship teams that I saw and like 09 and everything like that. They had, they had a lockdown rotation last year. They never do that. But it's hard to win when you don't have a lockdown rotation, right? Um, it's also hard to win when you have a lot of guys who are doing one thing. If you don't have a dynamic ro uh, roster and lineup where you have guys that are slapping the ball around and getting on base, you also have guys that are hitting home runs. If you rely too much on guys that are getting on base and or rely too much on, on hitting home runs, it's just different. And then all of this is going through the, the perspective of, they're not this is now it's championship or bust for them right so when i'm saying like i i think it's question marks they're going to make the playoffs they're going to make the playoffs like the yankees do every year but that's not you know it's not what it is anymore you have to look at it as if hey does this team look like they're a contender or not and i just don't i don't see as of now that they are someone who i could see in the world series you know and, and to go back to the the pitching you know concerns and up uh, top and like you have to think about it in this way that where DeGrom only gave them 11 starts last year. Do you, are, If DeGrom was still on this team, would DeGrom be as big of a question mark as Verlander is right now? I'd yeah, but, say, but I, I probably I would say so. But I said you know? that last year too, and, and that was accurate. But it's not just that. They, like Tywin Walker was good for them. Chris Bassett was good for them. It's not just Jacob DeGrom leaving. You have a fundamentally no. different – there's nobody left from two years ago besides from Carrasco, right? So even Max Scherzer is still kind of a new guy. He was only played last year, and he was hurt for a lot of last year too. So uh, I, it's just – it's not it's not something you can set your watch to with this rotation at all. And you have an extra year on Scherzer and an extra year on Verlander that you can't count that out. These guys aren't 27 years old. Yeah. No, um, I, I get it. Go, yeah. Uh, so, I mean – I mean, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. This is this is great. I'm glad we finally got to talk about the Mets and Yankees because we uh, we kind of farted around for a little while there talking about other stuff. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know, Alec, I can't turn it off. Anyways, uh, real quick before we end up, right now I'm looking at DraftKings odds. We're not going to obviously make our over under picks right now, but just so we know, the Mets and Yankees both at 94 and a half wins on the over under front. The, the Mets have a minus 105 on that number. The Yankees have a plus 100 on that number. A little bit interesting there, being that the Yankees have minus 120 on the under. Very minor little gambling crap, but like, you know, Vegas is saying they think the Mets' chances of hitting over 94 and a half is like that much bigger than, than the Yankees. And then on the front of making the playoffs, Mets are minus 500 to make the playoffs. Again, to Alex's point, his question marks are not about this team's ability to compete in a regular season, but to go beyond that. So Vegas also expecting them to make the playoffs at minus 500 and the Yankees at minus 425 to make the playoffs. So boys, this means we should be in store for quite the exciting season for both of our teams here. 
I'm all, uh, just I'm pumped for it. And uh, we talked about watching games and how I don't watch as many games as you. I do frequent the Mets radio network. Uh, and I got to say, shout out to my boy, Pat McCarthy, old college uh, classmate, teammate at TCNJ. He is now the pregame postgame host on Mets radio and will be filling in for Howie when he uh, takes off. So Pat McCarthy, my boy, congratulations. That'd be dope. I look forward to listening. Plug to the pod, Pat, plug the pod. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. I gotta get him on. I, we've talked about it. It's one of those things that I've like texted him and talked about him for, for six years about coming on the podcast. We just never done it. So and what better time than the present? So shout out to Pat, shout out to the Mets, shout out to the Yankees. That's all good stuff. Alec Argento, last words from you. No, go next. Okay. Drew, how about you? I'm farting with excitement about baseball season and uh, I'm farting with excitement about the New York Rangers. So uh, I'm just very gassy. My, my excitement is just so gassy. Congrats to your cocks. And that's all we have today for Subway Sports Talk. And I, uh, I just also got to say this for, for Drew real quick, just because it kind of feels relevant. So that's all we got for Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy for Alc Argento and Andrew Kalanya. That's some baseball talk, some Knicks talk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on your podcast app as well. Subscribe to the notification bell on YouTube. Drop a comment in the YouTube page as well. That really helps videos get in front of more eyeballs and more ear holes. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in as always. So that's all we got. We'll talk to you soon.